Welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing women in the development of the metaverse, the biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. The Meta Woman Podcast starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss, and from Struggle to Success, we're covering it all. To our returning listeners who've heard me read that intro dozens of times now, thank you so much for supporting the show. And for all of the new listeners out there, welcome. I hope you love it. I am really looking forward to today's conversation as our guest has a knowledgeable and very cool background uh, in esports and wellness, which is, you know, as a former student athlete and a big kind of athletics person, I'm just super passionate about this. So I'm really excited to have her on. Summer Scott is the Director of Team Operations at CounterLogic Gaming, where she incorporates all kinds of programs and initiatives to help players with their mental and physical well-being in and out of gameplay. So Summer, I would love for you to give a much better introduction to yourself than I just gave. Explain, you know, who you are and what you do for everyone who's out there listening. Sure. Yeah, I mean, essentially what you can consider me is uh, a general manager for a sports team at this point. Um, albeit I've arrived here um, on a track for being a performance coach, right? So uh, in an esports of all things. So my philosophies around how to create a winning team, how to staff a winning team, it really just comes down to how do you make the pieces work well together and how do you systematically include ideas around player wellness, uh, mental health, you know, physical health, like how do we incorporate this into the training environment? Uh, when you consider where traditional sport has arrived at now, um, you understand that there's a real depth to the staff, right? There's attention to player nutrition. There's attention to uh, injury management and prevention, right? Like you have such a breadth of support um, in that realm that has been built slowly over time. So in eSport, we need to put that focus back in and making sure that we are system systemically uh, creating training protocols that allow for really good career longevity in these young e-athletes. Can you tell me a little about your educational background too? And I, I know that you kind of combine your educational background with your love of WoW, so to arrive at eSports a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say Throughout my schooling, I really struggled. My early education, um, I actually, my first college experience was at Vassar College. Um, and for those of you who are unfamiliar, mm -hmm. um, it's a highly selective school. A, a lot of pressure associated with being in an institution like that. And for me, going through that experience, I suffered. Like, I, I just suffered so, so badly. When you are someone who wants to do something that is difficult, that puts you in an elite class, um, and you feel alone doing it, it, it's suffering. That's it. And my mental health just really couldn't withstand it at all. Um, and yet, even then, I was really tapping into things that made me realize that what was true to me and me kind of discovering my identity um, Help me understand that like I needed to find a way to connect with other people 
and help other people throughout that process. Even though that I was, I was just in a really bad space, I was still discovering that. And like oddly, when I first went to Vassar, my major was in the classics. <laughs> I was studying ancient Greek and Roman antiquity. And what I learned there was there is something so beautiful and consistent about human nature. The fact that you can look at a love letter from 2000 years ago and understand implicitly what that person's going through, like the bliss and agony all in one. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. Um, I had a bit of a pragmatic moment and realized that like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the classics degree. And that's when I made the pivot into psychology. Um, Ultimately, though, because of my struggles with mental health, I was not able to graduate. I actually spent five years at Vassar. I was about a semester off from graduating there, um, but got to the point where I, I could not muster the will to go back. Um, and I eventually moved back home with my parents. I enrolled in my state university, completed my degree in psychology. Um, so from that point, I think I had a really strong realization that like, I never wanted to encounter another young person who was just trying to do something that was really freaking hard. Um, and like, we had to describe it like going after things that ha could have triumphant outcomes without support, right? Like that's, that's the issue I wanted to resolve. I wanted to go back and fix my failure by helping other people. Um, and during that time, one of the major things that I used to cope was video games. <laughs> so, um, I had like a video game to manage different situations. I played like Sims 4 to relax. Uh, I played Call of Duty to like let out aggression, right? Um, and eventually it got to the point where I was playing World of Warcraft. And uh, that is where I met my, my now husband. Uh, he was my raid leader. He was the main tank. I was the main tank healer. And welcome, action. <laughs> That's amazing. I love the gaming industry because there's so many tangentially related things, like ancient Roman and Greek literature in the classics. <laughs> That's just no. it's so great. <laughs> you truly never know where you're going to start and where you're going to end up, and I think that that's an important, uh, I don't know, important thing to remember. I guess I would say is, uh. I don't think you need to go into every single thing in life having a clear idea of what the end goal is. I think that there's a way to balance having an end goal while also being open to possibilities. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you have to in order to like actually allow mm -hmm. yourself to grow up. Uh, oddly, so a comment that people laugh at me at that I make constantly is like, I, I always say like, you know, when I grow up, I want to do this. Yeah, I say that all the time. That's so funny. Yeah, like I am still growing. I'm still very active yeah. in this process of trying to discover myself. Like my identity that I had three years ago is not the identity that I have now. It's something that's constantly evolving. And I feel like mm -hmm. if you actually fail to approach life with that mindset, you're going to lose out on a lot. Um, and to answer your original question, you know, like I just knew when I got graduated with my psychology degree, like I was at a point where I could keep on going down the path that was prescribed to me. Right. I can, can continue banging my head against the wall 
trying to make the way that academics are structured work for me, but I know it doesn't. I know that the way that I'm supposed to be able to prove that I'm a knowledgeable human being in this mm-hmm. societal world that I'm in, in this day and age, in this time, like there are many people that just like could not recognize me as legitimately intelligent if we were going to use a degree as a measure. Right. Um, yeah. And I kind of had to reconcile that idea and say, how else can I make myself successful? And that's when I looked at like, oh, you know what? I know I'm fueled about helping people. I know I'm fueled by a love of games. You know, how, how do I make these two worlds coexist? Um, and it wasn't an immediate thing, right? It was probably another two years of me just kind of like wrestling with this and trying to like mm-hmm. shove myself into the box that I was supposed to be in um, before I, I finally just like let it, let it rip and got the motivation to dive in and try with esports. Well, let's talk more about that. I mean, I, I knew from our, our last conversation that I was going to have so many questions and I know that I'm not going to get to even all the questions that I've written today, which is a little sad for me because I told myself to stick to the script, ask all the questions I wrote because I wanted to hear the answers and then I immediately went off and asked a question that wasn't on script. So <laughs> killing it so far. We're just going for uh, it. I know. <laughs> but as, as you know, former athlete and then current at least aspiring mental health advocate, mm-hmm. um, I, I would love to start with the performance coaching that we have gotten into a little bit before. You had mentioned that it needs to be baked into the training environment. It can't be an add-on. It can't be kind of a, I don't know, something that you just throw in later. It has to be, mm-hmm. it has to be there from kind of the beginning game plan all the way through. Right. And that includes a holistic approach you've compared to traditional sports a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pick that apart and ask two questions that are part of this performance coaching. First, how do you develop that environment at CounterLogic and what does it do for the team? Mm-hmm. So one thing that I've discovered that really sets me apart is that I invest wholeheartedly in making coaches look good. <laughs> I know it sounds a little bit wild, but like this, this is where things are the weakest for esport. We don't have coaches coming in that have had, you know, 15 years experience as an assistant coach. Before that, they were like, you know, bag boy for a team. And like before that, they were, you know, in collegiate sports themselves. And then before that, they were in like Pop Warner football. Like coaches in traditional sports were bred coaches, right? From the time that they're playing their sport in their childhood to how they were coached themselves in collegiate to all of their professional experience. Not to mention the fact that by the time you've done all of that, you're older, you have some life experience behind you and you can keep your crap together a little bit better than someone who's, you know, 22 years old trying to manage a bunch of other 22 year olds, right? Like there's a lot of things working against the talent here. Um, so the first thing that I do is I elevate the coaches. I say, you know, where are your strengths and where do you struggle? How do I, how do I bolster this for you? And this is the first piece of performance coaching. The performance starts with the person who's setting the tone, right? We need to discover what the team culture is, what that person intends on doing, how they feel like the environment needs to be for everyone to be successful, including them. There's so many organizations I found that work against the talent they have in them because they're trying to develop a system um, that is like 
supposed to be the system, right? It's the system that works. It's the optimal system. We're always talking about optimizing things as if like we're all machines. Um, but it's just not it's just not the case. You have to be using the individual pieces that you have there and the individual strengths and weaknesses and figuring out the answers and how all the puzzle pieces fit. Um, so I would say like that's the first piece to creating that integrated whole of performance coaching, focusing on that leadership and helping them discover how they even want to go about uh, creating a, an environment for success. Okay, so it starts with the coaches, and then how are you translating some of the performance coaching into players? Like, what does that mean? I guess. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the easiest thing is to figure out what the coach is actually trying to tell a player and help them get there. Translate it. Um, yeah. So one of the most common issues I come across is a coach that says, like, this player is uncoachable, <laughs> right? Like, they just won't listen. Um, so helping people break down wh where, where is the communication falling apart between you two? Um, you know, sometimes just helping someone gain a little bit of a self-awareness and awareness of, like, the fact that there's other people in the world that operate notably different than you, right? They've had notably different upbringings, notably, notably different support systems, um, and they've arrived at different ways to navigate conflict and conversation. Um, so that's one piece that is really helpful a lot of the time, helping people kind of diagnose their communication styles and their conflict styles and navigating those better so that with these kinds of processing conversations, those two are then able to work more effectively. So in essence, I am coaching the coach to, to properly performance coach their player from the strategic uh, side. The other part is like sometimes there's just fundamentally an education piece that needs to be in there, right? We're just unaware of some of the gains that we've had in other areas. You know, when I came into the performance coaching role, I actually use it to my advantage that I was not specialized. Um, I did not feel locked down by my education um, or my certifications, right? I felt really open to finding the answers in whatever form that they came. So when I say that I use a multi multidisciplinary and holistic approach, I'm really going out there and finding wherever the answer exists, whether it be organizational psychology, sports psychology, um, you know, physical therapy i don't know like i'll even use buddhism if it was actually the thing that made the move the needle move for an individual player right so getting out there finding the answers and then getting those ideas attached to the right people at the right time is in essence my brand of performance coaching i don't know if it's everybody's <laughs> no i mean that makes sense and that's a lot of that's that's a lot of inter-team dynamics the performance part and what about the kind of development part as in actually making players better? One thing we talked about was telling players why they're good first and then focusing on mm -hmm. how they can get better. Mm -hmm. I like this approach because it starts with the confidence builder and yep. then and, and then it kind of empowers players to take ownership of the areas improvement, of improvement in a way that seems more sustainable to me as in Hey, if I know I'm good at this thing, then I feel more comfortable saying, okay, but I'm bad at this thing. So let me work on that. Or I'm not as good at that thing. Mm -hmm. um, but what advice do you have for people to incorporate that kind of mentality into their own lives? Because I think that could be very useful. 
you know, identifying the areas where you're very good and taking con- feeling confident in that and then mm-hmm. therefore using that to kind of empower yourself to work on your areas of improvement. So I'm going to take a wild angle on this. I'm going to use like some of the understanding we have of self-discipline in habit building to help explain this. Um, a lot of people think that like, if I'm not a runner, it's because I'm lazy. Nope. It's not a character flaw. It's just, you haven't built the habit. Right. And, um, others who say like, all right, if I'm going to go build the habit. I, I must not be disciplined enough if I haven't figured out a way to do this like more than five days in a row. Right. Um, the reality is that we need to be a little, we need to offer ourselves a little bit more grace and understand that in order for us to do things, we have to find the successful habit to build off of, to create a domino effect and produce the outcomes that we want. Um, self-discipline and will are complete myths. The person that systematically sets themselves up for success is always going to have uh, just better, right? And like part of part of why this is so helpful is it helps you scaffold and build the confidence along the way. It helps you understand who you are and what brings you success on a day-to-day basis anyway, right? Even when you are operating against yourself there is a source of what propels you forward and what creates that forward motion for you. You don't always have to invent something from nothing. And that's why when I work with players, I try to center them around their existing profile of success. Uh, like I discover two things working with uh, gamers at the elite level. First of which, they do not have the egos you think they do. Like much to the contrary, most people I work with feel really pretty shitty about themselves. Um, They don't think they're that good. And that's how they got this good. Because they're so self-critical and self-deprecating that that negative energy is what compels them to get on the computer every day. They can't help themselves because of like this underlying feeling that they're not enough. Just kind of shitty. Like it's not it's not a good thing to have to work through. Right. Like. So I'm trying to get people to the point where it's just like, you can be worthy, you can be worth something and be tackling these goals. And the, the funny thing is, is a lot of times like players resist that because they're fearful that if they take away like a level of self-hatred, that they will lose the motivation to continue competing and continue getting better, which is usually not the case. And except in like some very interesting cases, but um, oddly, like the cases I've found that are the most interesting are ones where uh, the player realizes that they weren't fighting to be better for themselves. Like this is, this is where the career enders happen (laughs) when they realize that they were only doing it to prove their parents wrong. Right. Like when their parents were invalidating to them and they realize that they don't need to prove it to their parents anymore. Sometimes they just quit. Uh, So like, those are, those are really interesting cases. Um, so a lack of self-worth, self-confidence is something that I've definitely uh, seen. And the other thing is like, you ask like a pro league of legends player. I actually asked this question to five LCS players at one point in time. Um, I was like, what makes you better than the average gamer? He couldn't answer. And I'm like, okay, let's do it easier. What makes you better than a challenger level player, right? Like what makes you better than an academy player? 
couldn't answer. There was really no understanding of what made them good. So from these two observations, that's when I kind of like, it's like we need to develop an approach around this. We need to actually understand this phenomenon and adapt to it. And that's why we always start with what I call the SSAs, strengths, skills, and assets. Um, I have every coach develop this profile with the player so that they understand what are your strengths? Like what is just core about your character that sets you apart and makes you better? And this is different than skills because skills are things that you've acquired over time. You've put in the work, weren't born with it, doesn't come very naturally, but you put in the work and that's why you're really good at it. And then there's finally assets, which are just circumstantial qualities that set you apart and are useful that we can leverage in the training environment. And using this profile, we use that as a foundation to then start challenging the player to be better, saying like, we already know that you have this foundation. Worst, worst comes to worst, we can fall back on this. So where do we start pushing and where do we start challenging you and making you uncomfortable, right? We know where your comfort zone is, but like now we can find these small places to stretch. Well, and speaking of being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, or at least knowing when to push yourself in uncomfortable situations, uh, we had also previously kind of talked about confrontation. And this mm -hmm. was something that you had described within a team environment. But I'm wondering how you teach healthy confrontation. I think this is, again, a very useful tool for standing up for yourself or improving an environment or just generally problem solving is being able to confront a problem. Um, I would love for you to describe how you do that within a team and what those dynamics look like, but then also some of the lessons that you think apply to just the broader world when it comes mm -hmm. to handling confrontation in a healthy way. Mm hmm. Oh man, this is a this is a juicy one. Um, <laughs> we got wild angles, we got juicy so angles in here for Um, so I would say like the first thing to overcome when it comes to confrontation, like I'm assuming like it's someone who's hesitant around confrontation, right? We're not talking about someone who's overly confrontational. This is around hesitation for con conflict. I feel like that's a little bit more applicable, and this is broad strokes, but. In, in what I tend to see is that a lot more people tend to shy away from it than to be overly confrontational, particularly mm -hmm. women. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I think the first step is addressing your ambivalence about it. Right. I mean, this is, this is something that I've definitely struggled with. Um, but there's like a degree of learned helplessness that you need to undo for yourself. Right. Like how many times have you gone and tried to muster all of your will to finally like just say something in the face of things not going well and that conversation not yield the right result or an outcome that you were hoping for. And then you just kind of learn like, all right, well, then I, I can't I can't change anything. Right. I, I can't affect this situation even when I even when I do say something um, that that mindset just has to go. Right. You can't give yourself permission to think that. I think you need to be a lot more stubborn and strong willed. You have to understand that, like, sometimes you need to approach the same subject five times over. <laughs> like, um, I've definitely had certain things where we have like staff meetings every Monday and every Friday and for three weeks in a row brought the same thing. Hey, this is a thing. Hey, this is a thing. Hey, this is a thing. And after it goes wrong, being like, hey, remember that time I said this was going to be a thing? Remember now, <laughs> right? 
Um, and I think there's like a brand of person who'd be like, oh my God, like A, you're being annoying because you're saying it a thousand times. Like if people wanted to listen, they would have listened to you the first time, which is not the case. You're just making assumptions. Like people are busy too. They all have their own workloads. They got to figure out their own priorities. And the fact of the matter is, is that what you think is important is not always immediately someone's priority. That's just the fact of the matter, right? So giving yourself alternatives to think about uh, can be really helpful in just releasing yourself from this line. And um, I think we're also trained to understand that saying I told you so is a disrespectful thing. I think there's a way to do it that's not condescending, right? Because there's a way to say, hey, I need you to pay a little bit more attention to me when I'm alerting things. And this is my way of doing it because the pain that you're feeling right now, because we messed up, it is on you. It is your responsibility because you also chose not to listen to me last time. I need you to be better for me and for us to function as a team. So next time you're tempted to dismiss me or not hear me all the way, I need you to remember this moment right now. So that is, that's the real conversation that you're having. It's not you being a jerk. To say I told you so for the sake of saying I told you so, you're saying, hey, we have to fix this pattern because it's negative and it's not allowing us to achieve our goals. That's why we need to work on this. And that's why I'm sharing, sharing this with you. So I would say like that's a really big thing. That's what helped me resolve some of my ambivalence around just getting my hands dirty and being a little bit more confrontational. I like that there's a healthy way to say I told you so. But on, I mean, I like that because, you know, I can be petty, but who can't? But from a non-petty standpoint, it you are doing yourself and your environment a disservice by not drawing attention to the solutions that you proposed if you proposed them. Yeah. Nobody wins then. So if you're in an environment where that's comfortable, I think, I think is yeah, I think you're totally right in that saying. Hey, you know, I, I did this thing. I fixed this problem before it was a problem and now it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, I don't think that that's that petty. I think that's actually like a good win for the team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we like dissect like what makes things petty, right? Like petty in its nature is like just being passive aggressive about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I have to like, work on that, by the way. <laughs> with men and women in my, my company, like I want to be clear, it is not a, a lady only thing. It is men also. And like, <laughs> The issue I have with people, I'm just like, you're being really passive aggressive. I'm like, yeah, well, like this thing is really pissing me off. I'm just like, yes, you are angry. You are valid in your anger. So the answer is be aggressive. Don't be freaking passive. Don't like put like one foot in, one foot out. Like if you have legitimate anger about something, then you need to go express that. This whole back and forth of you trying to act like there's nothing wrong. You're sending mixed messages and you're just coming off like a jerk. So sometimes the answer to eliminating passive aggressive feelings within your team culture is to literally just give permission to be aggressive and you are fine and within your limits to do so if you are following some basic guidelines like you can say what you need to say but you need to speak your truth you don't get to tell somebody else what their truth is you don't get to say oh well like i know you're mad at me like no you don't know that what are you in the person's brain get up there like that's out of bounds right you can speak your truth and be like, I feel like you might be mad at me because whenever uh, I walk by you, you like, just don't give me eye contact. That's your experience. You can absolutely speak to that. 
So that's like ground rule number one. The other thing is like don't insult people. Like I don't know what you can expect from another human being if you're just going to come at them and offer insult. And like an insult is when you try to cast judgment or label another person a certain way. It's just like, well, you're being really petty right now. It's just like, don't tell me who I am and don't tell me how I'm coming off. You can tell me something that you don't like. Don't call me petty. I don't know what you wanted to get from me out of this conversation calling me petty, right? Like we're not resolving things if you're confronting me and calling me names or placing labels on me right away. So that's another one that's like cream of the crop. If you can stay out of that boundary, you're off to a really good start. So, I mean, there's like various strategies like this of just making yourself more objective oriented and set yourself up for better success when engaging with conflict. Most of which are just like, be a decent person and try to check yourself before you wreck yourself when your aggression is coming out. You're right. Your, your goal is not to attack someone. Your goal is to get the job done. It's to get the objective met. So walking into the conversation with a clear objective and something that you want to get out of the situation is really valuable. Uh, I wish we would have this conversation like two days ago. <laughs> probably would have helped me a little bit more but that's okay we all have things to work on i am a, i am a person who has things to work on and i'm not afraid to admit that so i am absolutely going to remember this and the ground rules uh next time and try to not be passive aggressive because i tend to be really good at that <laughs> mm-hmm. and i would like to get better at instead saying what i want and need um so yeah you're right that just helps everyone so much faster and with so much less pain um I want to take a couple steps back and get into your origin story a little bit. Mm-hmm. You did a recent profile with Digiday, which I read prior to doing this, um, and I will link in the show notes. It was it was great. Uh, and there was one quote in there that I loved, and it said, as soon as I realized that getting into esports could be something that wasn't just for me, but a gift that I could offer other people, my innards just went on fire, and I immediately started trying to get my foot in the door. I am not going to ask what it was like to have your innards on fire, but I would like to know what getting your foot in the door, what that process was like for you. And I know you mentioned you got out of school and kind of took a couple years to figure out kind of the marriage between esports and psychology. Um, but how did how did your initial approach to teams um, come to fruition? How has it changed and how was the reception of what you did? Um, to teams and to the industry at large? Um, so I would say getting in, trying to connect myself with people that were extremely value-driven was probably one of the best things I could do, right? The thing that actually got me in the door, got me trying to do things was me watching a panel of uh, Miss Harvey and some other brilliant women just talking about the classic question of like, why do we not see more women in eSport, right? So that's what I was responding to when I was like, oh, me being, me going after my dreams is not just me trying to like figure out how we just like interweave gaming and psychology, right? This is actually an opportunity for me to positively affect the world. Um, It's an opportunity for me to get out there and inspire another young woman really loves to do. And that was mission critical because I needed to have a selfless reason 
to do all of this in order to keep going. Because if that were not true, I would have given up a long time ago. Like just flat out. If I had to fight for myself, I do not have the mental strength to do that. I don't have the self-confidence and the ego to want that for me. Um, but if it's in protection of other people, then I'm going to fight to the death to make sure that other people have the opportunities that they need in this world. Um, and that's true of other women. That's true of the players I advocate for. Right. I'm just I just won't settle for less when it comes to having better for others. So trying to get my foot in the door really came down to how do I help someone? Um, when I made that decision, I was like, how do I figure out a way to find out what someone needs help with. So honest, first things I was doing was just going on Reddit, um, finding out what kinds of people, like what kinds of things people were struggling with, just getting on there and answering the questions, doing some research, trying to figure out, you know, how I would want to be helped in that situation. Um, I, go- I literally Googled esports psychology <laughs> and found uh, Weldon Green, who um, was a professional sports psychologist who was trying to, bring mental health awareness into um, the esports scene. Um, and I was like, hey, can I blog for you? <laughs> like, and I was terrified, absolutely freaking terrified to do it. I, I spent about a week of my, my boyfriend then, my husband now, um, just like yelling at me, being like, Summer, just email the guy. And I'm like, I can't, he's like too big a deal. And he's like so much smarter than me and I can't. And he's like, what is an email gonna do? And I finally emailed him, got in there and started sharing what I thought could be helpful to people. And I was correct. Um, Like as soon as I started doing it, my articles were some of the highest performing, even next to other highly credentialed people, right? There was like clinical psychologists in there. There was sports psychologists that were working with the US military in there. Um, Like freaking organizational psychologists that had experience like managing like 25 plus people on their teams like who just understood implicitly how to do their stuff and I was like going toe to toe with producing material that was helpful it was like that's awesome to be able to walk into that position and I distinctly remember having conversations with those people um, who were giving me such fantastic insight on a regular basis Um, but we would have conversations like hey it's like really not good that there's people trying to performance coach in the esport industry that are not higher, highly credentialed. And I was like, well, you think that, um, and they're like, well, they're going to go in there and they're going to pitch to teams that they can be helpful. Um, and they're not going to be as helpful as credentialed people could be. Um, mm-hmm. and they're going to lower the price point, making it impossible for people who really do have the backing and knowledge mm-hmm. to be in there and to be able to, show other organizations that like you should be paying a really qualified professional to be in here and you should be paying them that salary that they're used to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I hear you. I do. That sounds like a really big, big problem. I will shoot myself a memo later about it, but yeah. I like that. I will shoot myself a memo later. Yeah. The funny thing is like a lot of people just really never realized. Um, I guess there's like a small, like fake it till you make it message <laughs> of like getting into esport. Yeah. Um, but like, I also think that there's just like an insane amount of humility that you need to bring to the situation. 
the fact that I was always like wondering whether or not my knowledge was inferior to others is what like propelled me to constantly be seeking out more and to find new solutions and to push really, really hard to be the best that I, I possibly could be. Um, because I wasn't about to let anybody say or do anything to suggest that I couldn't do the job. Just very stubborn about it. Like very, very stubborn. And again, it came down to not for me because I had a, I had a thing I had to do. I like, I'm on a mission. <laughs> like I'm on a freaking mission. I'm going to get this done. So. Well, I'm glad that you stuck it out. Um, and that actually brings me to, I think the last question we're going to have time for, but one big point we discussed last time was how you did all of this while you were beginning, while you were starting a family. And with what we know about the gender wage gap and how it often occurs after having a child, when women typically miss more time on parental leave, maybe take more of the responsibilities with the children, wind up not getting that promotion at the same rate as men with families. Um, building on an earlier point, it's unfair for several reasons, but one of them is that people don't know what you're capable of until you have a chance to show them that you're capable of it. So right. I think a lot of women miss out on the chance to show that they're capable of having a child and continuing their their work in a way that is just as good as it was prior to the child. Um, right. Whether there's less forgiveness for unexpected interruptions or or I don't know, just less allowance to be a, a mom while working. Um, it doesn't, men certainly encounter a, a set of issues that they have to deal with as well, but this doesn't seem to be as broad of a problem. Um, can you just talk about how you're able to balance family life while advocating for yourself and building your career um, in a way that was healthy and sustainable for you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, first, I want to say that if there's anyone who is fearful about what disclosing a pregnancy could do for their career, I just want to validate that feeling. I would be lying if I didn't deal with that. Um, I, when I got pregnant the first time, it was after a full-time position I had had on a team. It was a very up and down season. And by the end of it, I was like, convinced I was done with esports like convinced I was like there's I don't even have any other jobs lined up like I just I think I'm done right um and that's when I was like eh, might, might as well might be a good period just be like I'm gonna give up on this esports stuff I'm gonna start a family and just like bow out right um and one of my friends who's also a performance coach in the industry were like hey CLG is hiring right now like you should apply and I'm like oh like yeah like we'll apply together it'll be fun and I'm like oh jeez. and I was like whatever I'll just apply for the one job and um at that time I was five months pregnant and I was like terrified terrified for anyone to know or figure it out um so when I got hired at CLG I showed up the welcome dinner that they had planned for me they're like hey like we want to take you out we want to you know, show you some appreciation and, you know, thank you for coming through and joining our team. And they're like, we were thinking sushi. And I was just like, I can't eat that. <laughs> and like, they were both parents and they were kind of like, Aah! and then the following day, I was just like, yeah, I'm five months pregnant. And they're like, well, we had set out to say that if we were ever in a position to hire a woman that like, we, we would have to like live up to the values that we set and make sure that like, we would stand by what we said and like stand by doing the right things. Right. 
So, I mean, that says a few things like, A, it's really helpful to have the two people above me um, to also be parents. That is not usually the case in eSport. It's not the case right now. Like, my current boss is not a parent. Um, you know, love him to death, but it doesn't always, like, work in my favor because it just doesn't have the perspective to understand what I'm dealing with on this. Um, but, like, I think the really interesting thing beyond them just being parents was like the fact that they very clearly had the discussions when interviewing me or like even before that like what it would look like culturally to do this correctly in esport uh to have women have a place and to have a trajectory um so i think that that was really powerful to me to recognize that they like even in that one comment <laughs> after saying she can't eat sushi that they they like really demonstrated that they had a value around making it possible for women. I love that. Do you have any kind of advice for, I don't know, from, you know, from the woman's side or from the parent's side, how to sell the situation or how to continue advocating for yourself? And then do you have any advice on the employer side of how to, I don't know, handle a situation like that, or just, I think it is important to live up to your values, but just, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on like kind of concrete things that people have done or can do to just make that easier on both sides? Yeah. I mean, I think we all, we have to take this for a grain of salt because this comes down. Like I haven't had the conversations with my boss around like why I was hired in the first place or why I was being able to give be given promotions um you know this second child that i had um i was three months pregnant and had told my bosses early on in the pregnancy that i was pregnant because i was suffering from really bad morning sickness i wanted to be transparent about like foundations i needed and like why i was like struggling in some situations um so ultimately i was hired while they had a full understanding of the fact that I was going to have a brand new job overseeing five different teams and need to take a maternity leave six months after starting that position. Um, and I think the only reason why I was able to do that is because I handedly demonstrated prior that I had the wherewithal and that was one of the most powerful assets that the, the organization had at the time. Um, so I think that if you approach your career unapologetically and just commit to doing a really, really good job, it's hard for people to oversee what they would be missing by not trying to retain you. That is even as a manager, something that I think about, like if I just identify someone who is an asset, like I have to understand fundamentally what it would take to retain you. So from an employee side, it's like, how do I get myself to the point where they, they, they wouldn't consider a reality where I wasn't there? Gotcha. Actually, I had someone previously say, don't be your company's best kept secret. And I thought that was a good encapsulation for saying, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and say you are an asset and to show that you are an asset. I mean, I'm really big on like collecting testimonials. Uh, as mm. often as I've found, you know, if there was ever a player that I worked with, they were like, oh my God, I worked on this thing. Thank you so much. Like, 
mm-hmm. screenshot like hey oh my god this is such a sweet thing that they said to me low-key though I'm good I'm important I'm making these things happen so that you don't need to worry about it right like I, I say like you need to be a little yeah. bit shameless about it and it's not again it's like how do we how do we reframe these things that normally would hold us back right we talked about like overcoming like passive aggression by just giving yourself permission to be aggressive right like i feel like if we stop labeling ourselves as like oh it's like shameless to like endorse yourself this way like what if we just said like of course i'm going to endorse myself that's how i advance myself right it does make sense. yeah like, yeah i, I like that there, there are men that would not would, really wouldn't second guess it right like they're just conditioned to say like hey look at all these great things i did so why can't we do this for ourselves? That's very true. I'm writing that down so I remember that. Um, <laughs> so that is a good point. And I know I said that that was going to be my last question, but I, I can't resist. And I do have one more little section, but I can't resist asking about what you think about what's going to happen and as we start incorporating a lot more emerging tech. And the reason why I'm asking that is because see a lot about the metaverse and there's a lot of voices about the metaverse, but there's not enough people who look like you and me talking about the metaverse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I do like to ask people, and especially with your area of discipline and talking about mental health and well-being and growing your career, what are kind of the, I don't know, the possibilities you see in emerging tech? What are the drawbacks? What are the things to look out for? What are the things to be excited about? Like I, you're in team operations right now, but that that deals with a lot of emerging tech stuff. Um, so like, just what are you thinking about in the next two to 10 years? It's interesting that you bring this up because I was listening to a podcast with Mark Zuckerberg on the way in today. Oh. Um, and was actually considering this a little bit, like uh, at risk at sounding as someone who's anti-tech, something like that, or anti-progress. You know, my biggest concern around where we're headed is that even with these emerging ways of us connecting with each other, it does seem like we're really missing a fundamental piece. And I don't know if augmented reality or virtual reality will help blend the gap, but what I'm noticing is that the more technology we put in place, um, the that we have in getting things right that are more concrete like the simple example is like if i'm always in a virtual world where i really care about recycling or you know being zero waste right like what do i really care about my environment when i don't contend with it every day right like mm-hmm. if i had to deal with an inconvenient truth of my behavior i'm more likely to do things that would go away from it so um i think socially Anonymity has not necessarily made it a fair and equal situation like in gaming, right? Mm. Women like have so much harassment to contend with. And there's all this hostility that people deep down inside because they feel wronged in a certain way from our overall society that just comes out in these virtual environments because you don't have the same level of investment. You're not worried that someone would like have a physical altercation with you or conflict with you. If you were to say these things in person, you can do it without consequence. So I, I mean, I really fear 
what kind of reality we're getting into when we're not creating these realities that also are of constant to us in a way that can help balance the overall uh, the overall view in society. Um, I think it's really important and like making it applicable to gaming. Like we see this happen uh, for teams that we have in person versus a remote setting, right? Like it is actually, I mean, it's just far easier to get people in person to have stake with each other, right? They're encountering mm-hmm. each other day to day. Um, they understand more about why a conversation or the other. If you're like on a headset and you don't have a cam on, if someone's silent, you don't know if they're being passive aggressive. You don't know if they're thinking. You don't know if they walked away from their keyboard. So there's all different kinds of ways that you can relate with someone or like a message is sent, even with silence, that we don't really know how to break down or understand um without bridging in all of the gaps and context that comes with us being in reality so i would say the metaverse jury's out a lot of things that they're going to struggle to overcome and the real challenge is like are you going to identify the problems and fix or you've created a new societal standard that is problematic that is my big question as well, which is also why I'm insisting that everyone that comes on talks about it. Because um, I, I think it's one of the, not the best or anything, but a good way to do that is by having conversations early on <laughs> um, and by getting people out there and getting their voices heard and their opinions heard early on. And your perspective is unlike anyone I've spoken with, right? Like this is this is from a very psychological standpoint and there's things that I've never thought about in here. And I hope that, you know, the things that you think about are in the room when things are being developed because it's important. Um, so I thank you so much for offering that. That was fascinating. I felt like I um, I got like hypnotized listening to you talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> like, you know, you just can't gen- put the genie back in the bottle on certain things. Um, I think it's a really interesting case study as well because like, wow agree that influencers like can have a really negative impact on things like specifically like if you look at like instagram and like the negative effects that it's having on our on our adolescents and their understanding of like what their body should look like um like we've like figured out this is bad um but like this genie is not going back in the bottle right like it is actually undo the damage done now um so yeah i think we just need to be a little bit better about understanding like we are doing and what impact we could potentially have before introducing new technologies. That's I'm writing that down too. (laughs) Um, Because that is a great response. And I would love to have more conversations with you about this because I think it's fascinating. Um, Before we get into our last little segment, I like to do a summary of everything we've talked about so far. Uh, We started with a discussion on the performance and developmental coaching that you do, setting yourself up for success and building a habit that's sustainable requires you to find targets that you can actually hit and feel comfortable in. Uh, A lack of self-confidence or self-worth can help motivate you, but it gets to a point where that begins to hurt. So you have to actually build confidence. I liked your... uh, program of identifying SSAs, strengths, skills, and assets as a foundation to then build upon to challenge a player to get better. Um, and, on that, 
make sure that you are just make sure that you are guilt driven and not shame driven shame driven is like i'm bad right i like this is because like i am not worthy that's why i can't do these things but if you just shift that away from it being a stain on your character to like no well this thing i did wasn't really great right guilty the Mm -hmm. behavior is bad so shift i am bad to this behavior is bad uh can be really helpful in overcoming that Ooh, that's great got so many little like tidbits um we then went into steps for confrontation the first step was to undo the ambivalence and learned helplessness that you have so you have to actually work up the will to call out what is not going well and not be afraid to do that repeatedly step two is to give yourself alternatives to think about when it comes to assessing the situation how busy are the other people involved are they seeing it the same way you do um, step three is to actually introduce solutions again repeatedly over and over until the message gets through and step four is to say i told you so without being condescending so you draw attention to the solutions that you offered previously ask for it to go better next time and encourage people to remember the dismissiveness but try to fix the negative pattern to improve the outcome rather than taking it personally we also talked about never the- undersell the value of a processing conversation it goes a very long way. This just, one has. <laughs> like, it goes a very long way to, to step back and have that, like, meta. I'm like, how do we work better together? Like, how do we just fundamentally do things better in the future, right? Like, if we're having it about a regular strategy meeting, no one would care. So, like, why are we not doing these things? Oh, so good. Um, we also talked about the answer to eliminating passive aggression is to encourage aggression. Ingression. Uh, encourage aggression wow you can allow people to express the difficulties they're going through as long as you have a couple ground rules in place one only talk about your experiences two don't insult people and three check yourself as the aggression is coming out don't be on the attack try to figure out how to prove the outcome um i liked that we talked a little bit about your motivations in esports and psychology and you mentioned that yours was having a selfless reason and that really kept you going past any internal issues past any external pressures, just the ability to actually impact and help other people. For women starting a family, before you start considering this, make sure you demonstrate your worth, um, prove that you are an asset, endorse yourself, advance yourself as much as you can. And then when it comes time to have that conversation, clearly state your needs, make sure that you have also the company understand why, why it's valuable to them to have those needs met and keep you on board and then make companies live up to their values. Um, if they're an organization that's attempting to be more attentive to the needs of people who are starting families, make that happen. <laughs> hold them to that. Um, or hopefully they hold themselves to that, as I know CounterLogic did. Um, and then when it comes to the metaverse, we definitely do not have it all figured out yet. We can't communicate in the way we are able to do in person. There's a lot of nonverbal especially or even silent communications that occur that aren't necessarily replicable um anonymity anonymity uh is a tool that's been both i suppose in a lot of circumstances good but largely uh bad when it comes to the internet so bringing that into virtual worlds could be a danger um and we need to understand what we're getting into with technology because we can't do it once it's, can't undo it once it's out there um people get attached pretty quickly Okay, so that brings us to the final section. I love how long this episode is going because this has been such a such a good conversation and I've learned so much. Um, so the last section I like to do with everyone who comes on the show is a moment of reflection. This is a chance for you to look back on your career, 
And the question that I like to ask is, what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the esports industry and being successful? Wow. Hmm. Are we going to get a wild answer, a juicy answer, another fun adjective? <laughs> what would I tell my younger self? I would tell myself that you could be yourself and still be successful. And I wish I could have told myself that in a way that I would actually have believed it. Oh, that's so great. And I wish you could have too. But that's a really good thing to remember. And I hope that people out there, wherever they're at in their career, can take that to heart and be themselves. Yeah. Um, um, like, I think it's really important for people to understand like the narrative that they have crafted for themselves um, and like the limiting belief you have. Um, like one of the ones that I had for a really long time was like, you're not a writer. And then like the funny thing is, is that like, even after I had my initial success in eSport as a writer, I still didn't believe that I could be one. Um, it was like later in my career where I actually tried to tackle like writing a book chapter where I'm just like, I can, I can do this and I can do this very well. So maybe that idea that I was not a writer was incorrect or I needed to unfix my mindset around that and allow myself the, the room to grow. Um, so I, I think you need to do that. And like, and as women in the space and as a female professional, like you have to say like, I'm allowed to take up space. I'm allowed to speak passionately and I don't have to worry about somebody else labeling me as like the over emotional woman. If they did, that's their freaking problem because they can't figure out how to work with a woman in the room. It's not my issue. Um, so I think you just need to be able to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to be consistent. Always masking yourself it means you blend into the environment, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily having an impact. It just means that you can sit there well and be a background figure. But if you want to be a protagonist in your own story, you can't be in the background. You have to be able to move and be dynamic. So, oh, so many good pieces of advice. I'm probably going to go back there and listen to this whole podcast several times. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people follow you, find you, find your work? Um, anything that you want to plug? Plug it, please. Yeah, I mean, you'd be able to find me, I suppose, on Twitter at Psych Summer, uh, P S Y C Summer, as you when we are, um, like the season. So my DMs are open. I I tend to answer them. Um, but other than that, like you can just kind of catch me working at CLG. I tend to keep my head down uh, and try to make things work. So you can always hit me up on the CLG website as well under the contact section. Ah, so fun. For all of our listeners out there, be sure to leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Listen to this episode 10 times so you can get all the good advice in it. Be sure to check out other Holodeck Media podcasts, including Meta Business, for all the metaverse finance stories you could ever want. Business of Esports for interviews with industry leaders. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, Lindsay Poss. You can catch me Wednesday nights on the Business of Esports Live After Show. And you can catch this podcast and feed every week. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. 
Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Woman.